0: Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors, sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Hub24. Hub24 make a difference in the lives of advisors by connecting you to innovative solutions that create opportunities with market-leading managed portfolios and customer service excellence. Want to know more? Visit hub24.com.au. Today, Clayton here from XY, chatting with Paul with as far as I can tell, at least two business names. You've got guidance and you've got financial autonomy. And I, I want to dive into both of them because it's, it's an interesting thing that I've seen some people do. But, mate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Clayton. And, yeah, you're quite right. A little confusing, I guess. Yeah. It's, well, kind of, but not really. Like, I totally get it. Um, because on one hand, you've got a business. And on the other hand, you've got sort of a media company somewhat you know you got a book you got a podcast you have blogs and it's almost like um you know one is there to facilitate the uh the business aspect and the more official sort of stuff and the other is it's your it's your face and name to the world is that basically it
1: yeah that's pretty fair and it's been a bit of an evolution um yeah the financial planning practice the actual business name Guidance, Guidance Financial Services was, wasn't was my creation. I bought the business in 2008, and the previous owner had come up with that name, and I thought that was a pretty good name, so I stuck yep. with it. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. That's, that's my financial planning business. That's what I've been doing for a long time, and that's what puts yeah. food on the table. And then uh, 2017, started a podcast um, called Financial Autonomy. And so, yeah, at that point, that was just that's the name of the podcast. And yes. that sort of got a bit of traction and so of course then we built a website around that and um you know there's a weekly email that goes out around that and and that led to a a book deal last year and so yeah now there's a book called financial autonomy as well and so yeah as you've sort of I've kind of split that off a little bit now I have got it as its own entity and I sort of run that a little bit separately
0: yeah right so someone came to you to offer to to say hey let's do a book
1: yeah, that's right. Uh, Major Street Publishing uh, got, got in touch and it was off the back of the podcast and yes. sort of, yeah, as I say, I do write a bit too. I contribute to like the money section in the Fairfax papers and that sort of stuff. So I think they could sort of see, oh, he's capable of of putting a few words together.
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, And I think also for publishers too, you know, they're looking... It's a risk for them, right? They're investing, you know, editors and and cover designers and all the rest. So they want to have a bit of confidence that there's an audience there that, you know, they're going to get a few sales. So, you know, a podcaster with with a a regular listenership, I guess, sort of de-risks the transaction
0: for them a little bit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that certainly helped. I, was, um, I use a program called CastBox because um, it's the only um, podcast app that I can see that gives you an indication of how big the listenership is and how many downloads they're getting. Now, CastBox doesn't really have too big of an audience, and so it's really sort of just one data point. But from what I can tell, your podcast is about five times bigger than ours. So, uh, <laughs> mate... It's an honor to have you on. <laughs> Thank you, but I would suspect in
1: part that's because your target audience is a bit smaller than mine <laughs> as well. So you're you're a bit more niche, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly. Um, so being a podcast for financial planners, um, you know, when because I'd been seeing your stuff obviously for for a little while, and um, and I thought it'd be great to get you on because uh, I find the people who do podcasting and the people who don't do podcasting, realistically, uh, the only thing that's holding them back in a lot of ways is uh, they don't know how to get started, but it's, it's, it's actually ridiculously simple. And um, the only difficult part is turning up day after day, week after week, and actually getting it done. It's the consistency, which is the difficult part. The technical side is like, oh, you just record an MP3 with a microphone in front of your mug, and then it gets uploaded to the internet. It's not difficult, but I think the the difficult part is putting in, you know, I guess listening back to what you're doing, making sure you're doing as well as you possibly can, and dissecting where you could have done better. And um, I, I guess the question for you is how do you come up with inspiration because you're, you're getting close to number 200, right? On the podcast. So how do you come up with the consistency and the inspiration to go back every week and do this? Yeah. So Again, I guess a little bit of, of evolution. I started
1: thinking, right, every episode was going to be, in fact, sorry, let's even step back. I had an idea for a podcast and I emailed it to someone that I knew already had a podcast and I said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you reckon? And he said, I reckon that's crap, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a bit of a kick in the guts. But, you know, essentially his point was a good one was, yeah, it sounds pretty much like another 50 that already exists, mm. which was fair. So it caused me to sort of go back and all right, what can we do that that has a stronger, unique position? And uh, so I kicked it off thinking, right, these will all be sort of 10 to 15 minute single voice, short, sharp pieces. Uh, And I ran with that for a while and they take a while to create. So I was getting episodes out each fortnight, but got a bit of feedback that, hey, the occasional interview wouldn't hurt. Be nice for a bit of variety. So then started sort of interspersing interviews and then just kind of mixed and matched and, I've sort of hit on a bit of a rhythm these days of roughly alternate weeks. One's a single voice and then mm. one's an interview. doesn't always work that way, but that sort of works pretty well for me. And so in terms of creating that content every week, look, the interviews are largely just as people are available. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of, you know, whenever I can grab them, we record. And, and, you know, often we're recording, but it mightn't go out for two months, but it doesn't really matter. Sometimes you get one that's a bit time critical, um, you know, like a market update or something like that. So I just have to think a bit more about those and have those in the schedule. So that's sort of the interviews. And then the the single voice ones, that's really, it's it's essentially an audio blog, right? So I write a blog piece, you know, 1200 words ish. Mm -hmm. uh, And I'll usually write that one week. Wednesdays I sort of block out as my financial autonomy day so I'll write that Wednesday morning then the next week I'll just have a read and 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 a bit of an edit it's nice to look at it with a fresh set of eyes and then once I've got that right then I'll then I'll go and record and so that's sort of how I get it done and I I think what's really been important um so I use I use Trello I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be familiar with Trello um but I just I have it So it's on my desktop, of course, but I also have it as an app on my phone. And I have different lists. So one is the the blog piece type ideas, and then one is the storytelling type ideas. And as I think of stuff, I just add a card onto the the list. So, you know, I can be down at the supermarket or walking the dog, and I think, oh, or listening to someone else's podcast. And I think, oh, that's a really good idea. I should do an episode on that. And I'll just get in on my phone and just write myself a quick note. And then so then when I sit down on a Wednesday, or actually I normally tuesday before i knock off if i know i'm writing the next day then i then i thought what am i going to write about tomorrow morning just so i can sort of hit the ground running a little bit mm. but i've sort of got this list of ideas sitting there in trello so i can kind of just have a bit of a flick through sometimes you might get an email from a listener who says oh you, could you give us an episode on this or you know so i just sort of yeah. note all those down so that then I'll, yeah i've always got that list and like as you say i think we're up to it's about 170 episodes at the moment and yet you know my lists in in both those columns you know i've probably got oh in the in the single stuff there's at least 50 i've still got wow. there and and the, and the interview ones probably 30 Wait, that's But that's sensational running out of ideas yeah but <laughs> you just got to you don't want to have to think about it on the spot when it pops
0: in yes. your head jet it down and then it's ready yeah. for when you need it Wait, that's sensational um And, and just going back to the fact that you are, even though you're running a business, you, you are actually scoping out a day a week to do all this. Um, And and I guess the biggest question out of all of it, does it lead to um, building a client base that more accurately targets your ideal client? Yeah. So it it has worked for me and that, and that
1: was really, The the practical side, that was the driver, right? There was also a driver which is just, hey, I like listening to podcasts and it'd be cool to make a podcast. I can't deny, right? There was a bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) But the practical reason as to how I could justify putting the time in was – and, and again, I mean, I'd be interested in, in your experience, but I'd, I'd imagine a lot of your listeners um, as financial planners, it can be a challenge to sort of be in control of your own destiny sometimes in terms of yeah. new client flow. I mean, historically, as I mentioned, I did buy a business along the way. And then beyond that, referrals were typically from accountants. And of course, they want their cut. They certainly did back back in the day and, and they yes. still do today largely. And and you were just kind of sitting there waiting for them to give you something to to some extent, you know, I mean, you could, you know, things you can do and build relationships and attend the team meetings and that sort of stuff, but you still kind of felt a little bit, I felt a little bit like you were begging. Yes. And so it had always been a goal of mine to try and figure out a marketing solution that I could control. Yeah. And, uh, tried various, you know, Google advertising and various bits and pieces that, that we all try and, you know, you hope that your website is going to be found within the zillions of others and, you know, never is and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, you, you bang away. <laughs> and yeah, the podcast is is finally something that I found actually has produced results. Now, that's not to say that we're getting, you know, three new clients a week or anything like that, but that's sure. fine. We couldn't handle that anyway. Yes. Um, but at least the clients that we do get that flow from the podcast, it's like they're pre-vetted, you know, they're already, they've heard what you had to say. And like on the website, we're explicit about here's what it costs to get advice and that sort of stuff so that we don't need to talk here because I kind of feel, look, prospective clients you've had a chance to kind of sample me through the podcast yes, yes so when we actually catch up for a meeting there shouldn't be any need for that right so you know what we offer you know what it costs and let's just move forward you know and right. so that's quite good you know you're not wasting time with with
0: potentials you're not having to really sell it because the podcast yeah. has sold it for the you experience on your end um, must be so much more enjoyable as well because you're avoiding all the worst parts of an initial meeting and getting all the good bits the good bits are getting to meet someone connect with them the bad bits are oh you know them sort of trying to get to know you but being a little bit defensive because they don't know what the the big reveal is or the fees and and as there's this weird sort of tango that goes on and so you're kind of taking all that piece out of it by just saying hey this is who i am and this is who i stand for and by the way this is what we charge and i i really like it i think it's a good idea yeah, thank you. And I mean, you're putting the time in ahead. I
1: guess you're investing the time yeah. in creating the content in the first place, right? Yes. So, but yeah, as I say, it seems to work. And uh, yeah, the people that and the and the engagements that we're getting are really interesting engagements. Yeah, certainly not planning to stop on the podcast front anytime <laughs> soon. You know, it's working for us,
0: mate. That's so cool to hear. Um, a buddy of mine, actually co-founder of XY, um, Ben Nash. We sort of started our financial planning. Uh, almost started our financial planning careers almost at the same time at the same company many years ago. And then we ended up launching our own businesses. I think I may, may have launched maybe like a year or so before him, but we took extremely different paths. And uh, he had an idea in his mind that was at the time really different. And I was in hindsight, really traditional in my thinking because I was a tax accountant. And the only reason I got into financial services is because I was a tax accountant, which uh, shared an office with um, financial planners and with insurance uh, brokers, right? So, so risk advisors, and they were telling me everything about what they were doing on their side. And I was sort of looking at my job going, Oh, you know, I only get to sort of deal with clients one year at a time, but these guys get to deal with their clients 20, 30 years. And and I was really attracted to it. And so I ended up going across into financial services, but the way that it was really communicated to me was realistically, you can't start a financial planning company without purchasing an existing business and also uh like the the best way to get clients out of that is to ring the you know the the list of people that no longer do business with that business anymore or whatever it is and and just do your best to get up and running via that channel and um and so i i went down that path because that's what the experience that i uh, was given at the time and i didn't realize there was any other way and uh and from there, I tried I chose to go to like a networking group. So everyone sort of hands around referrals to each other each week. And then Ben had this idea that he wasn't going to do that. He was just going to start a business. And then he wanted to, as he quoted, make his own rain. Right? He wanted to create make his own rain. And I was like, every everything I'd ever heard was that's impossible. And so to now look at at uh, what he's doing, what you're doing, what people, what, what advisors are now able to achieve. I wish I could then go back to myself, you know, 10 years ago when I was getting into financial advice and be like, hey, you know, you, this, this is actually a methodology of, of acquiring clients, of building, because building a profile, quote unquote, it's not about being in any way recognizable to anyone else other than the people you want to work with. Right. It's not like you want to turn up, you know, uh, trying to get into a restaurant and they go, Oh, Oh, Paul, Paul, (laughs) we've kicked out the guys in the corner table, please come on in. You know, you're not looking for that. What you're looking for is, knock 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 uh hi i'm here to see paul mate i love your podcast i've been following what you've been saying for the last few months and then i had a look on your website and you know i thought you you were someone that would definitely be able to help me out with what i'm doing and so that whole concept of building a profile is really it's nothing more than being like having a tactic of acquiring ideal clients and so it's awesome to see you do it yeah yeah
1: and it's I guess there's, a challenge, there's interesting elements to that, right? Because the, the idea of buying a business, and this doesn't just relate to financial planning either, right? But you buy a business, you've got revenue from day one. Yeah. You try and grow organically from zero, for the first year or two, you probably make very little. Now, yes. the trade-off, though, is you don't have a debt or you know, however you're financed buying the business in the first place, but it depends if you can survive having minimal income certainly for the first year, but Mm. probably assuming you were an employee, which is usually the way. And then you decide, right, I'm going to start up my own business. So you're an employee and you're earning whatever you're earning. And then that stops and and you're going to start organically from zero. Well, how long can you sort of go earning 10% of what you used to, and then half of what you used to, and you know, that sort of stuff. And for me, like I I was an employed planner with the bank left in 2006. And I did just start from zero and, Fortunately, a few clients followed me. Obviously, for non compete clause, I couldn't ring them, but a yes. few that would just, they hunted me down, which was fantastic. Yep. So I had a little bit of cash flow within sort of three to six months, you know, recurring type cash flow. Yes. Um, but not enough for a real wage. Totally. Fortunately, when I left the bank, I had about eight months leave up my sleeve. So that gave oh. me a bit of a runway. Sensational. Um, but nevertheless, I was still, you know, when the opportunity came up to buy a business, it was attractive to me, right? That was yeah. sort of 18 months in. Because growing just organically, for me, was I was finding it challenging. We were getting there, but it was slow. It was too slow. And, you know, I had kids and and, and a a mortgage and things. And so the idea of buying a book, bang, you've got revenue, really stacked up for me. And so I would still think for your listeners, I think it really depends where you are in life. If you're in a situation where you've got very few overheads and your costs are very low, Awesome, you may well be able to start off organically, which would be lovely, because then you're not going to have that debt, right? Yeah. And you can just build and you can get clients that very much align with you. It depends a bit on your personality and your skill set too. But really? that's a way to go. But if you're in a situation where you've got a mortgage, you've got other commitments, family, etc., buying a business may well be the way to go. And, and and realistically, I mean the market rates still seems to be around about that three times recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Now Clients generally are sticking with you ten years, twelve years, twenty years. So yes. you've got to pay three times for them. It's it's a bit, a little bit deceiving because you pay three times, but actually when the revenue comes in, you've got to share that with the tax man. So really, after tax, it's more like about four, four and a half. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but chances
0: are you're going to get that back. It's fine. No, I yeah, absolutely. Um, the the huge advantage, um, I would say seeing what Ben's done compared to what I did. And it's kind of, it'd be interesting to hear what the impact the podcasting has has had on your business. But with my business, cause I purchased a business, I ended up getting uh, like, I never had, well um, actually I did by sort of the, but the first two years I had no such thing as an ideal client. And so I, I sort of, I look back after two years of being in business and I had, this little pocket over here and this pocket over here. Yeah, but we're all like that. I mean, early on, geez, if they breathe, it's all good, isn't it? exactly. (laughs) I actually ended up with this really weird, um, almost like a channel of um, C-suite casino in Macau. (laughs) (laughs) interesting, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, So I had a bunch of Aussies that were living in Macau that were sort of super high up in these uh, casinos who, who I ended up just somehow falling into. And then I ended up getting, and, and they were always like, Oh, Clayton come over. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can see no this, uh, this is not going to end well. So, uh, so, but that was just a perfect example. And then the other group was, you know, that like pre-retirees and then eventually sort of by my third year, I'd figured out that, Strangely enough, working with people that worked in banks and worked in financial services companies ended up being the the personality type that worked well for me. But I, it was a little bit irritating that I could never get into that full swing of things that I never could get into like a full speciality. And then I was looking at Ben and all that Ben has done has just gone deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and deeper with every year into his ideal market to the point now that like I saw him on LinkedIn. He does live LinkedIn stuff. And in the title of one of the live LinkedIn, you know, streams was uh, I'm in my twenties and now, and I'm a millionaire. Now what? <laughs> Tough problem to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's just found this, like he, he now works with these, I guess, early employees, not always founders, but early employees of, um tech companies and other sort of startups that have done well and now you have got these people who who are doing quite well you know like even at zoom like if someone had worked at zoom for even one or two years even just recently and mm-hmm. they got sort of a share package now it's just absolutely blown up right and so um it does happen you know i never came across it but i guess the point is like he's been he's been able to attract his ideal market so with someone like you who who's launched then purchased, and now you've got this like really sort of uh, ideal market attractor. I'm super keen to you. You straddle both my and Ben's experience, so how? What? Well, talk to us about that. Well, I guess. So yeah, I've got the existing business and we've got a, a, a
1: group of ongoing clients there that we service. I should say after I bought the business, I actually ended up about a third of it, I kind of portioned off and, and resold. Interesting. Um, that I just felt, mainly it was just around geography. I'm I'm in um, sort of in the north of Melbourne, in Essendon. And uh, yeah, there were clients that were, they were scattered all around Melbourne. And anyway, some of them mm. was just wasn't practical to service. So so a chunk of them, I sold off with, and, and and so that sort of got it down to... I guess a more comfortable level. For a time, I had a second advisor, but we sort of ran that one out. So it's it's just me. I've got a full time power planner and two other support staff, and so that works pretty nicely. And so we sort of, if we don't get any new clients, the business is still profitable. Mm. Um, We're not reliant on new business revenue. Wow. But it's nice to have some more. And I guess part just part of the thinking with the podcast too is that for me, the value of the business is pretty important. Like ultimately for retirement, it's, it really is a significant part of, I think it is a significant part of my super. Yes. Now, if I could just sit back, I guess, and work the existing book of clients, but they're getting older and they're drawing down and eventually that will, will drain away. Yes. And and well, that doesn't work for me as a, as having a a valuable asset at the end when I want to retire. So it's important that I'm bringing in newer, younger clients. Yes. Um, So that, you know, the average age of our client base stays down and so that there's that natural sort of evolution. And, uh, yeah, so I sort of, uh, we've got the existing business, the guidance, financial services, and that, that, as I say, that puts food on the table, that's pays everyone's wages. That's the, that's the core. Yep. Um, but the financial autonomy side of things is a marketing channel, right? Um, But, you know, hopefully that's that's just adding a few new clients. You know, if that adds 10 new clients a year, I'm happy as Larry, right? That's plenty. Because yeah. it's not a single advisor. I mean, I'd be interested in your view on this and what you hear from others. But my kind of feeling for me is probably about 150 clients is about oh, full,
0: I reckon. Full service clients? Uh, yeah. yeah that, even that is, you know, top end, I reckon.
1: Yeah. I think with a few staff, like we've, we've got 115 ongoing service clients at the moment that I yep. look after. And with our staff, we can manage that quite comfortably. If you've got got
0: three support staff,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely that's going to help a lot. So, you know, so, I mean, I, I can see being full is not too far off. Now that said, my planner he'll ultimately become a planner. So at (laughs) some point the intention is that he Ah. will take on a chunk of those and service those, and that'll give me more capacity. Right. Cool. But yeah, so that, so that's sort of how I'm thinking about it. Got the core financial planning business, got the, the the financial autonomy that that's more that marketing sort of growth engine and trying to like obviously now we've got a book, so we get a bit of revenue from book sales. We've got a couple of hey, little online courses and that sort of stuff. So trying insane, to man. do what we can to have financial autonomy generate a bit of its own revenue as well, just to cover some cool. of the expenses. Yes, mm.
0: so that's no, all good it's, fun, mate. Um, the uh, Gary V. I think it is someone um, yeah, much smarter than me says. Uh, everyone's in media this, this yeah. days. Like like, if it, it, like everyone's at their own media company. And like the, it used to be that Sydney Morning Herald was the publishing platform and they decided who were the journalists and who were the advertisers and you had to somehow get into with them. But these days with social media, it's really just publishing platforms and podcasts is just publishing platforms. And there's all these publishing platforms that are free to use. Um, and it's it now everyone it's everyone's almost job to build their own. And, and I, I, I wouldn't say the, I don't like to use the word to build a profile, to build a platform. Like it, it, it makes it sound a little bit more than it is. It's literally just publishing ideas and thereby attracting the people, uh, that are interested in those ideas to you. So, um, I mean, it makes so much sense Uh, that you've got sort of this wing, this media arm over here, and then a business, which gets all the business done. There's a, um, the first, the first advisor I ever saw do this, um, and we've never actually been able to do a podcast with her yet, but she goes by the name of Sugar Mama, and she created this uh, YouTube channel. And um, I mean, I haven't looked at it in a long time, but it was, it was like relatively substantial yeah, she gets a lot of a lot of views i haven't looked at it for a while yeah. either but yeah, yeah no i hear you she's, I, she's done a few was, books as well yes yeah, it was quite successful um and then so she but she had her business and but then she was sugar mama as well right and yeah. i was like ah oh, that's an interesting concept um and so you're doing something uh pretty similar um i think uh well, you would say financial autonomy is probably a, a more appropriate name than Sugar daddy uh, I you've there yeah I think you've probably chosen a a good a good choice of names there but uh, i I super like the fact that you've done it all off your own back as well, like myself um you know i, I had to learn I had to pay a, a decent chunk of cash to sort of learn how to do a bunch of stuff that looks like it's sort of second nature to you. Um, But, you know, in terms of like podcasting and and books and all those sorts of things, um, I had to go and do this course called Key Person of Influence, which I'm a massive fan of. And when I looked at what you're doing, that was the first thing I asked you before we started podcast was, have you done this? Because in my mind, I was like, not only am I sure you've done this, but you've followed it really well, like better than (laughs) anyone I know. But the fact that you've sort of done it all on your own is really substantial, I think. And- I just like that you are now the the perfect example of what a modern financial planner. I, I, I like, and and you might be able to back me up here. Podcasts—they're not that painful to do, right? Like, like if if you sort of spend half an uh, an hour thinking about it prior. I mean, in your case, you you somehow. Uh, think about it well in, in, advance in some cases. Um, but it's not, it's not a horrible, uh, exercise. It's pretty enjoyable. And and whether someone chooses to do podcasting or not, or, or whether they choose to do blogging or not, or whether they, whatever it is, it's not that difficult. It's how people like to purchase. It's what we expect. We expect now to meet the person digitally and form sort of a one way relationship Uh, with, with someone's content before, I mean, even if I want to figure out how to stop a leaking tap in my house, it's like, show me the plumber on YouTube that does it, you know? And then, Mm -hmm. and then six months later, oh, you know, I've got a bigger problem. Oh, there's that guy on YouTube that I saw a couple of times. So like, it's, it's not even unique to financial planning. Um, but just with the, the industry, it is a little bit conservative. It is a little bit stuffy. And so how do you get around the issue of, which is often the issue that I hear, compliance? Well,
1: it's a lot easier cause I've got my own license, um, <laughs> with a business partner. Uh, so we. Myself and yeah, a friend that owns another financial planning practice five minutes down the road. We 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 have a license together. We share it, and that works awesome. quite well. Awesome. Um, so that helps, but you know, in some ways, that uh, focuses you even more because he and I then are the responsible managers to ASIC, and yeah. uh, you know, I don't want them coming knocking. So you've got to just obviously there's there's warnings around general advice disclaimers and those sort of things but I think it's totally manageable. I mean, you can certainly put out general information and I don't know if ASIC views it or not this way, but to me, there's a lot of financial information that goes out, whether it's podcasts or blogs or books put out by people who are in no way qualified to give that advice. Yeah. Uh, And so I would like to think that if the regulator did have a look, that at least be relieved that, well, there's someone putting out information who actually (laughs) knows what he's talking about and is licensed (laughs) and is, thinking a little bit about not straying into, you know, Hey, why don't you buy gold, you know, or oh, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> crypto or something stupid. Right. Yes. So yeah, it's certainly something to think about, but yeah, fortunately in my case, I don't have a big bureaucracy that I need to go through. Awesome. Um, and so I guess, yeah, for, for your listeners, I guess that's a matter of, yeah, they've got to, <laughs> if it's something they want to pursue, they'd have to just think about the, the structure that they sit under and yeah, and whether that's going to float. Yeah. Something else just, you sort of touched on a little bit there before. Well, actually a couple of things. So you mentioned about, you know, the difficulty of creating a podcast. So you're right. The creation's not not that hard, especially if you're interviewing people. Um, You know, a little bit of coordination, but really that's it. The other thing just to get started in my case, I mean, yeah, I watched a few YouTube videos on how you edit a podcast. And then I got my son, my teenage son to watch it. And he was my editor for, in fact, i got two boys. Then he trained my, my other son um, <laughs> and then, you know, different people did it. And right at the moment I've got someone else doing it, but actually my oldest son finishes year 12 in six weeks or so. And then he'll be taking it back on again after that. Um, mm-hmm. Now I know everyone doesn't have access to that, but the point is you could easily find somebody um, to do your editing for you. It's very learnable. Yes. Um, the software to edit it, we use audacity, which is free. Yes. Um, it's not difficult. You know, you, you, you upload it to Libsyn. It's like 25 bucks a month or something. Right. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> There's not a lot of barriers. And I mean, if you wanted to, I mean, in some ways, YouTube is better in that. It's a bit easier to monetize, um, mm. which you can't really do with a podcast, but, you know, if it's a marketing channel, maybe that doesn't matter. But I mean YouTube, there's not even any hosting costs, right? It's just a bit more to actually create the content in the first place. But it just depends if you if you're
0: more photogenic or not. But for me, the audio works better. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the same bucket there. Uh it, which which reflects our um listenership as well. I think we get maybe like one or two maximum of five percent on uh on YouTube. Um you're exactly right audacity is free. Um, I mean, is 20 bucks or whatever you said it was. And that's exactly, exactly what we use. Um, uh, we ended up taking a little bit of time to find our podcast producer, but now he is sensational. He's probably listening to this right now. Holla, Kieran. Uh, if anyone wants to start a podcast, get in contact with that guy, my goodness. Yeah. So the, I guess seeing, seeing what you've been doing publicly and and having a, a financial planning company in the background, is, was the real reason I wanted to catch up with you today. Um, and so thanks for sharing all that. Hey, is, there, is there anything that you've found just in terms of back office efficiency or effectiveness over the years? Um, you mentioned you got three um, back office staff, one power planner plus two other admin. Uh, what have you, because you've been doing this for a little while now, what have you found to work really well for you? Again, um, Trello has been pretty important.
1: Um, so we have a a work in progress board there that everyone can see. And so we'll have, uh, you know, we've got a column there for proposals, then what's with power planning, uh, what's waiting to be presented, uh, implementation, uh, and then a a sort of compliance. So sort of once after it's implemented, we just have a compliance check process and, and that sort of stuff before we sort of finally put it to bed. And, and that's really good. Like we catch up at the moment, we're all working from home. So, you know, we'll catch up on a zoom call each day. And, uh, you know, we're regularly going through what's in the work in progress. And so everyone's sort of, all right, how are we going with that? As we got that paperwork back, blah, blah, blah. So that's been really helpful. Um, we have another Trello board that's just our monthly tasks. So we have a column for each month and then we have all the tasks and we have them color coded as to who's responsible for them. And then once we get them done, you know, you've done it in October, fine, drag that one across to November. It's sitting there for the next month. And there are some tasks that you only do once a year or once a quarter, so you can just drag them to the relevant column, right? Um, But that works really nice for us. It just means, right, by the end of the month, we should have nothing left in October, you know, (laughs) I say, right? Has everything been dragged across?
0: Yes or no? That's a Um, a really interesting way of doing BAU. Yeah. I don't know, BAU, what's that Oh, Sorry, business as usual. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, really so way. so that works for us.
1: Yeah. I mean, beyond that, nothing's really jumping out at me, but but yeah, those, those processes work good for us. Probably something else just worth highlighting, I think, or learning for me off the back of the podcast is previously your catchment of potential clients kind of had, had to be geographically somewhere close to your physical office. Yes. But by virtue of the podcast, obviously I got, I'm in Melbourne, but you know, you got listeners all around the country, right? And I mean, a few overseas, but I can't really do much with them, you know, so I try and focus just on Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but then clearly, all right, well they're not coming into the office. So we're going to be able to, do, you know, meetings via zoom and that sort of stuff. And so we worked all that stuff out and and that's worked well for us during this COVID period because now we're stuck at home and that's what everyone's got to do. So that was kind of good, but it just, for for people listening, and I guess you touched on earlier about finding a niche and and, and that sort of stuff, which is, it gets talked about a lot. Um, it's hard to do if your potential catchment is only within five or 10 kilometers of your office. Totally. But if your catchment is the whole of the country, 25 million people. Yeah. Then you can afford, you know, then you could run a practice that look, all I do is financial planning for teachers or something. Right. Yes. You can do that if your reach is national. Yeah. And then you just need to ensure that your systems can handle that. And increasingly, that's pretty easy. And in fact, as I say, as a consequence of COVID, where maybe even if you thought it wasn't possible, you've probably found now that it is. Um, yeah. so, so that might be just something for people to think about a little bit if they haven't already. Yeah. Um, because really, if you're in Melbourne and, and your client's in Cairns, it actually it doesn't make any difference. You know, these days, it's totally fine. Yeah, it just enables you to build a group of clients that are, yeah have a particular interest or, or, or commonality. That you couldn't do if it was just yeah, if it was just based on geography, you know?
0: Yeah, man. That that's a really, really, really good point. Um, niching if you're niching in a geographic area it makes far less sense than niching on a national basis. And considering everyone is so happy to well, cause of COVID, doing video meetings, for example, and 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 doing digital signatures and mm. like, all of the The professional services and financial planning has just changed so rapidly that it almost in the way that you were sort of um, talking about just then, it actually almost makes even more sense to specifically not pick a geographic target and to and to do online as the focus, which up until this exact moment, I always thought was a was a nice to have, but I think you 're probably right I think in order to really build the business that you want and have that Uh, that those niche clients then if you're looking at it on a on a on a national scale in a digital uh, capacity yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense you can see i'm always sort of piecing together my next financial (laughs) planning business in my head as the years go on. Eventually I'll have it all pieced together. But uh, (laughs) thank you. I I really genuinely want to thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and sharing all this congratulations with everything you're doing is really impressive. The fact that you've done it all off your own back, I think is even more outstanding. Um, and, uh, yeah, if there's anyone that's listening and wants to reach out and find out more, how would they go and do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, I'm in LinkedIn. You, You find me there. Um, you know, the Guidance Financial Services website or the Financial Autonomy website. Yeah, they're probably the best bets. But yeah, probably LinkedIn's the easiest, I would think. Yeah, I'm, I'm over a look at that most days. So
0: um, yeah, reach out. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for coming on. Cool. Thanks for having me, Clayton. Cheers. See ya.